peace be to you. Henry the Cardinal Marino. Let us begin with a question. Hi everyone and welcome. Welcome to Curiously Catholic and Evangelion Production. In this podcast, we're going to be picking the brains of Catholic enthusiasts to try and get to the bottom of how to live truly as a Catholic in contemporary times. My name is Dominic Malgeri, and in this episode today, we have Archbishop Paul Martin. Welcome, Archbishop. G'day, Dominic. Uh, how's things? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, really, um, first day back at work after uh, after the Easter break, so really nice to be have had that break and to celebrate and now to get back into work again, so all's good. Mm. Yeah, I imagine uh, I've seen a few memes online about uh, the aftermath of uh, Holy Week for our, our clergy. It's uh, <laughs> Holy Week's like a war, and then at the end of it, you're just absolutely wiped. Yeah, yeah. Although, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, although one of the nice things about being the bishop is that um, some a lot of people do all the organising, and then you just uh, turn up and and uh, do the liturgies. So I, I wouldn't want to um, wouldn't want to over-exaggerate all the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff that I don't have to get involved in, but often other right, priests I see. do. So yeah, it's a yeah, little yeah. bit. It is one of the bonuses of being a bishop. Yeah, so you are currently an archbishop. Is that correct? I am. So I'm a coadjutor archbishop of Wellington. Okay, because it feels like a couple of weeks ago you were just the bishop or... <laughs> oh, Christchurch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yep. So I uh, so I've been the the bishop of Christchurch since um, um I was ordained in March of two thousand and eighteen, right. and that's right. what I thought I was going to be doing with my life. And then uh, on the first of January, Holy Father, it was announced that I've been appointed the coadjutor Archbishop of Wellington. So uh, once Cardinal John retires, I'll take over from him as the um, Archbishop of Wellington. Yeah. I mean, that just that sounds mind blowing for me. I can't imagine what like you what your experience is like. In two years, you've gone from priest to bishop to archbishop. Yeah, it's um, I suppose it was probably a bigger and and lots of ways it was a bigger um jump going from being uh, being a, the priest to being a bishop of Christchurch, especially because I belong to a religious order, the Society of Mary, so I was a religious priest. And in this country, Maris, as, as we're called, haven't been bishops here for 100 years, so it's sort of not in our psyche to be sort of appointed yeah. bishop. So that was a big, a very big surprise when I was, um, you know, was ring up and say, the Holy Father's appointed you the Bishop of Christchurch. That was, was not, it was never in my thinking or way of, Thinking about myself as a priest or all those things, so that that was a big, big shock. And and but to be fair, it was a very big shock when the nuncio rang up and said, "You're being a you know you're being appointed the coadjutor of Wellington." I, I wasn't expecting that at all. So, yeah, so yeah. That was, yeah. And and I suppose, you know, you you become, you, you become an the the um, Wellington is an archdiocese, and that's why you become an archbishop. So. Um, but in, in my own mind, I think look, Wellington is another diocese like Christchurch is. I, I know it. I've worked there in the past, and mm. so so I, I'm not. In, in that sense, it's it's changing, leading you know, leading from one diocese to another. And obviously, there are some particular things that come with being an archbishop around being the metropolitan. But but on the whole, it's about leading the faith community of Wellington, of the diocese of Wellington, and doing the similar things that we've tried to be through here. So you said that um, it was like 100 years since you've last been in a Maris bishop, which is quite... Because, like, obviously our first bishop was Maris, right? Was that Pompelia? Yes, yeah. Well, okay, well no, actually, Pompelia wasn't a Maris. He, uh, he, <laughs> he was with... The Society of Mary was founded at, in 1836, and Pompelia was part of that group. And Rome basically approved them because they were willing to come out to Oceania. And they appointed Pompelia as the bishop, so he never took vows. Um, uh, the other the other priests took vows to become Maris. So Bishop Pompelia wasn't a Marist. 
he, he never belonged to the society Mary, but he was intricate with them all at the beginning. And then, um, yeah, so there was um, Takuira Māori who was the Māori bishop, or he was the auxiliary bishop of Hamilton, and he was ordained in 1988. So he was a Maori, but Oh, but he wasn't the cool. he wasn't the ordinary of a diocese. He was an auxiliary and a different sort of mandate. So, and previous to that was um, Archbishop uh, O'Shea of Wellington, and I think he was he was uh, ordained in 1913. I think so. Yes, yeah, so that, yeah. Yeah, it must have been quite a. How how did you get appointed bishop? Like, was it just like one day you were just going through your normal routine and phone rings? Out, how are you going to be a bishop? What is it? Was it, so? There's no indication beforehand. No, well, the the way that the process for becoming a bishop or how it works in the church is that uh, Bishop Barry Jones had died here, and so the, they're starting to look for someone to replace him. The the the, the nuncio, who's a poet representative in New Zealand, he, he conducts a process whereby there's called a turner, and that's uh, the that's where you get three names of suitable um, men to be who could be bishops. That gets started. People who know those people are sent out of um, a form, um, which they fill in, sort of, and then uh, and then that form is those those replies are collated by the nuncio. Who then sends them to Rome? Rome go through them, then they say um, this one, and then the person who's involved, uh, you know, the person that's uh, is then rung to say that. And if you are, if you're, one of the things about the Turner is that if you're, if you're asked for um, to speak about, you know, to write about someone, you're also there's a you're expected to keep that secret and that not to talk about that to anyone else that you've. Got a letter or to the person that, that whose name it is that you've that they're on it. So, um, yeah. So, technically, it's it is supposed to be a surprise to you that you've been uh, when you get rung up. So, mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I was in my circumstance. I was living in Rome at the time um, at the general house of the of the society. Mary, I was the first general, so I'd been living in Rome for the last. Um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't what I thought was going to happen in my life. Uh, mind you, neither was going. That, that all happened very quickly as well. So um, I've had a few instances where life changes suddenly. Past three times, I suppose it's all happened. Yeah. What I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Right, and so then you uh, you're like because you you were living in Rome leading up to your. Um, Ordination as bishop, and then yeah, yeah, okay, and then you move. Did you move straight to Christchurch? I well, actually, ironically enough, I was I was home in New Zealand at the time of uh, when when the announcement was made because I, I'd been in Rome for a couple of years and I'd come home for a holiday to see my family and friends, and so it was just by fluke really that I was here. So I I finished my holiday and went back to Rome beginning of January, and then. Uh, couple of weeks packed up in Rome and then came back to Christchurch and, and then stayed here from then on so sort of okay. from mid-January and then got got ordained in, in March beginning of March and I mean that was it yeah. sounds like it sounds like you've got a quite a uh, transient life you're moving around a lot doing a lot of different things yeah I, I have I well I had 20 years um in as a te- as a, a priest teaching so and that involved and due to circumstances really i moved around a bit then i had four years in whangarei teaching from paleo college and i came down to christchurch for three years to some beads and then we the maris we left teaching in those two places and so i went to hatapaura college and fielding chaplaincy work and then i went back teaching at some pats in wellington for two years and i went back to some beads as the deputy principal for two years and then back to Wellington for six years as the rector, so um, and which the principal's job, and then uh, then I got elected to our the administration of the Society of Mary, and and, and was asked to do that full time. So I, I left teaching in 2013, and 
had two years in Wellington on our administration and then got rung up to say, look, we need someone to be the Bursa General. Would you come to Rome? So six weeks later, I was in Rome and then <laughs> it was Christchurch and now it's Wellington. So I, I must say, um, when, I, when I came to Christchurch, I, I sort of thought, well, this will be it now. Um, and so, so I, you know, having moved around a lot for 25 years, it was a part of it was like, oh, well, this is where I stay now, and this is where I belong. And so, psychologically, sort of, yeah. sort of bedding in here was, um, so it was ironic that in fact it wasn't the case either. So yeah. God works in various ways. It doesn't pay to plan too much. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously, going from priest to bishop, you know, you your your role changes um, sure. from like mm-hmm. to a more diocesan level. I, I imagine I, I've never yeah. I've never no. been a bishop. No, but um, no, neither at so, all. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your first kind of like? Uh, how do you uh, first start getting into the mindset of like being a bishop? What was your what was your uh, approach? Yeah. I suppose part of it was to think of the bishops that I'd known and seen um, in my life. So. Um, I, I'd been one of the one of the advantages of of having been a religious was that I actually lived in different dioceses. So I lived in the Auckland diocese and Palmerston North diocese, which was home for me, uh, um, and and in Wellington and in Christchurch. So I'd seen how different um, different um, bishops had operated and, and their style and and how they were. Um, so that that was quite important for a start. It's really a case of just getting your head around, well, what does this mean and what does it feel like and 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 just talking with people really and getting used to to relating um, to, with people as the bishop. Um, and, and I think one of the things that you realise is that people take it seriously. It's, um, so I need to take, you know, like take that seriously as well. Not, not that you don't, but, but it is and people, does, I mean, it is means something to them and and it's and, and so sort of getting head around that is is really important I think and and not um and also the fact that um I think one of the things I've always understood is that we walk on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. I, I always when I was at St Pat's in Wellington it would have been in hundred and twenty three years I think when I got there and there used to be a um corridor we walked down every morning to go to the staff room and on the walls were all the rectors who'd been there was 16 before me you know and their photos were all up from the first one through to the, my predecessor and I was always really conscious that I was just another step in a long line of people who'd mm-hmm. done the work before and all the staff and and that this was so sort of not not caretaker but it's like this is something that you you'll work with for this time and then I'll, I'll finish and someone else will come and and that's sort of the mm. same same feeling I have with you know in this call to be bishop and, and this diocese you know I'm the tenth bishop and we've got a stairwell and 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 next door that's got the ten bishops going up the top and you think yeah then I'm playing my part now and obviously I'll now finish and someone else is someone else will go there and lead and, mm. and it's very, and I mean that's that's the truth of my Christology when you one of my favourite churches in Rome is St Paul's outside the walls, and it's got all the popes from St Peter all the way up, all the way around. You know, in the, in the last one, they have the light shining on Pope Francis, and just that sense of handing on. It's so much bigger than me. It's not my diocese. Mm. It, it's um, yeah, that that I think that's really powerful and and helpful, in 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 terms of understanding. Um, what, what it's on about and the people who live here and who who worship here and, and their families and their previous ancestors and hopefully their generations to come uh, yeah it's that yeah that's sort of i suppose that's really what i tried to get to know with those that the priests and the people and the same mm. the, the diocese and what it's like and all, all of those things yeah, and uh, yeah, because I, I like that kind of mentality because it's like it's very Catholic in a sense because obviously we've got the apostolic succession. So, yeah, yeah you're yeah. the tenth bishop in, in this diocese, and then they had a bishop in another diocese, and so on and so forth. And that's uh, right. Yep. 
Yeah, and it's actually really freeing because um, you you realize that you're you're just playing your part in something that's so much bigger than mm. than yourself. You know, I mean, you're mm. called called upon to lead, and and to, but actually, yeah, that, that it is. I mean, it's always thing I always try and hold on to is, but this is God's work that we're cooperating in. It's yeah. not Paul Martin's yeah. work or. And and once That's you really cool. if you can sort of get your head around that, it's actually really freeing. Yeah. And yeah, do you have the same mentality problems. do you have the same mentality now that you're going into becoming an archbishop? Yep. Yeah, I do. And and um, and I think yeah, I suppose part of it yeah, I don't really I, I suppose in my mind I, I really think look I'm going from being the bishop of this diocese to being the bishop of women's diocese. And the fact that it happens to be an archdiocese is, um, it has some particular parts that come with that, but, but fundamentally it's about leading that diocese. When mm. Cardinal Tom retires, and, and I'll pick up, just like someone will come in to replace me here and, and carry, you know, pick that up. And that, that's how I, mm. that's how I really see and understand. That's cool. uh, yeah. Yeah, rather than, the, the the archbishop part is it's not an accident, but it's reflects it that it's an archdiocese. But each, mm. each of the dioceses in these country in this country, we're all trying to work together to to you know bring Christ to to a world that desperately needs that good news. Yeah, 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 and that's you know definitely the part of the mission of Evangelion, and the point of this podcast is to again bring Christ. It's the point of our whole lives. Um, it is, yeah, 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 which is great. Mm. So what? So what actually do you, are you allowed to do as Archbishop? Like, what's your jurisdiction? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question, actually. Uh, well, there's two parts. One of them is, um, as far as I as I as I understand it, is that you're the the leader of the archdiocese, and because the the, the structure of the church is that you have an archdiocese, and then around it you have what are called the suffragan diocese. So. Um, so in New Zealand, Wellington is the archdiocese, and the other five dioceses are called suffragan dioceses of the of the archdiocese. In Australia, um, Brisbane, Sydney, um, Canberra, I think, um, Adelaide, Melbourne, and Perth are all archdioceses with a, a number of dioceses of suffragan dioceses around each one. So the archbishop, in particular circumstances, if there are some things within and canon law in the life of the church that the the arch that the metropolitan will oversee the, the metropolitan diocese and that's um and and it's only it's quite particular it's not not like um that the archbishop would then tell the bishop of another diocese oh, i don't really think you should do this or do that it's these diocese is autonomous and that's, um but there are certain particular instances of things happen that the metropolitan might have to step in and manage that especially if things things involving other bishops um sort of on on that level but it's quite prescribed having said that prescriptions now one one interesting thing i heard about um archbishops or at least the archbishop in new zealand is that you're also the um the bishop of the military um so do, do you have to go through some sort of military training for that or no that that um the military or what's called the military ordinariate so there's a like a diocese for the military has a has a military um ordinary and that happens to be cardinal john at the moment but that's that's a that's a roman appointment and so oh. it's not tied to being the archbishop so it could be any of the things Okay, cool. So it just happens to be Cardinal John at the moment. So no, it's not a uh, no. I won't have to go and do basic military training unless I am <laughs> appointed, and then I'll hopefully won't have to do it anyway because I might fail. Yeah, I mean, looking at your track record, I mean, why not? You're always moving around. Why not? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, just one more thing. Might um, be enough to. And something else that's uh, interesting is like in, in new zealand um we've got two cardinals at the moment and yeah. um because john dew he's archbishop yes. and cardinal isn't he yes um so 
you know, again, taking your track record into consideration, how long will you will take for you to become a cardinal then? Yeah, you know, being a cardinal is not tied to being the archbishop. And, and or the, I mean, in the last few years, uh, you know, I'm Cardinal Tom, who's in Cardinal McKeefrey before him and Cardinal John have all become cardinals. But there's no, it's entirely up to the, the decision of the Pope at the time who they want to make cardinals. So um, the, there's no presumption that, in fact, that I would become a cardinal because the Pope might decide, actually, that joke has not got what I'm looking for or... or mm. um, and he could choose anyone to be, I mean, any of the bishops could become a cardinal if, if that's what the Pope wanted. And, and in fact, um, Pope Francis, Cardinal Murphy of Tonga, you know, he made him a, a cardinal and, and the Tongan Catholic community is relatively small by comparison to other places, but he, he was looking for a breadth of voice and from different parts mm. and, and see and John, Cardinal John and Rebat in, in Port Moresby, he's a cardinal as well, trying to get a spread of of, of um, voices. Whereas, see the cardinal, um, one of the cardinal in Samoa, he, you know, they the Samoan um, bishop, he was a cardinal, but current one isn't. So, mm. I, I'm not presuming anything on on that front at all. And if if the pope, whoever the pope has decided that 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 was that he, he wanted that from me then if he asked then i would and if he doesn't then i'd just as happy being the archbishop it's not um being a cardinal involves um there's significant more responsibility and work involved with that as well um, mm. so, so i'm not looking for more work like I, yeah so. <laughs> yeah and i suppose you don't get a pay rise either um, Evidently not. No, it's one of the disappointing parts of becoming a bishop, I'd have to say, having been a religious and thinking, oh, this will be good, but no. No. Yeah. <laughs> Very disappointing. Uh, yeah. yeah, you don't do it for the money, but it would be nice, eh? Um, <laughs> so you said that, like, uh, as archbishop, you um, do have things to... You do get involved with things that... Um, involve other bishops, but you don't necessarily get involved in other dioceses. Yeah, it's usually, as far as I understand, and to be fair, I haven't really done a whole lot of looking, reading up on it at this stage, is it's only if particular incidents or things happen that you might be required to step in to to see, to investigate or to see or to support in, in particular circumstances. That, that's right. my understanding. Yeah. So fundamentally, you didn't use... Sorry. Carry on. Yeah, so so fundamentally, it's it's really around particular um, circumstances and other dioceses that might require the metropolitan to become involved. Right. Okay. So it wasn't a case of you using your um, title of archbishop to get Bishop Gielan to do Exodus ninety. That was just a, a suggestion, was it? No, that's because I thought he needed it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so um, moving on to the next part of our uh, little discussion here, our interview, uh, we are going to be talking about Exodus 90, and you've mm. just completed it, haven't you, Archbishop? I have. I, I have just completed it. You finished on Easter Sunday, so uh, mm. it was a very um, yeah pow powerful experience. So for those of those listening, uh, what is Exodus 90, and why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Exodus 90 is a program that comes out of the US um, and it's, it's aimed at, at, at men. It's a program for men and it involves a 90-day um, journey of faith uh, beginning, it began on the 4th of January and finished on Easter Sunday. That was 90 days. And it was a time of uh, prayer and fraternity and also asceticism, what they call the discipline. So uh, so part of it was you needed to do it in, as a group, uh, which is really important. So um, I asked um, five other other men that I knew and had become friends with them um, to do it with me, and uh, so and they all agreed. They're all married married men with um, children. So between them, some three, four, and five children. So there was 
they were in the oldest, I think, is, of their kids is 14, so they're the younger families. And we would, um, so part of it would be you, you can make a commitment to pray for an hour each day, uh, for a, a holy hour each day, um, and then to meet together once a week as a fraternity, um, to, to pray and to just check in with each other how it's going. And you also have what's called an anchor, so one of the other people in the group is your anchor you check in with each other each day just to see how it's going, what's arising. So, and then, and then they have what's called the discipline. So the one that everyone gets hung up on is the first one on the list is cold shower. So I had 90 days without a, of cold showering, which was okay on the 4th of January and seemed to get cold in the last week, the shower seemed to get colder and colder each day, which I don't probably means you're coming to the end, but, uh, so that was that, uh, it was involved, um, so no desserts, uh, eating between meals, um, no soft drinks, only sort of soda water. We've all become great guzzlers of soda water. Um, devices, so no no computer, cell phone, um, except for work, not for, no TV, no televised sports, and, and watch telly for 90 days, watch any, any sport. Um, and exercise, you're expected to do three, Three, um, three days of intense exercise a week, and then uh, no unnecessary purchases, and then fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, and no meat on Wednesdays and Fridays. So, mm. and I mean, it sounds comprehensive, and it is on one level, but on another level, it's actually once you get into it, it sort of becomes your life and pattern, and and the mm. it's really hard to explain there what that. What that does for you except that um on easter sunday like you think at the end it's all going to be great and can't wait to get in the hot shower on easter sunday morning but in fact um for me anyway getting in that shower on easter sunday morning when it was warm was not what i thought it would be it was uh it was like oh i i don't want that this felt like going back to mm. another it was really a very strange very strange to how it is and and so in fact subsequently i've taken to getting into a hot shower and then turning it off and soaping up and then washing down in cold um, oh very interesting yeah yeah it's um yeah. just there's something yeah it's really it's very hard to explain um, but that's yeah. the thing everyone gets fixated on the cold shower but i'd say it's not it's not the cold showers really it's and, and the other thing about it is that you do you read the book of Exodus over the 90 days. So there's mm. there's an act that comes with it. You get that you read the passage of Exodus. There's a there's a reflection that comes with it, and also for the reading through today. And, and it's really really calling you to strip away the things that we hang on to that compensate for God. And mm. uh, so whether it's food or television or sport or or um or purchase you know buying uh, technology phones computers all of that stuff you, you take that all away and then you're really left um well what is it all about and and if you're if you're praying each day for an hour each day um god can't you can't help it god can't help but get in and i mean i've i've prayed regularly for a long time, you know, for, I've been in religious life for since 1985, but I'd say I've probably, this has probably been the most intense and powerful time of prayer in my, my religious life, I'd say. Um, wow, that's pretty fun. Yeah, just the consistency of it and, and all the all the other disciplines that come with it um, and mm. really support that. And then the fraternity, the, that is really key. And, and they make the Exodus people make a really big thing of fraternity, and it's true. So, um, I wouldn't advise doing this on your own, um, and I wouldn't even no. advise doing yeah. it in a peer. Even it's not a, you need a group. You need right, and and the more that certainly in the group of guys that I did it with, the more, as we went on, and the things that the movements of our hearts and the and the struggles and, and guys learning to um, trust each other and faith that was really it's been really powerful mm. um, and in fact this morning we we got together 
we usually get together at six o'clock in the morning and pray for an hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and then we have our little meeting. And uh, we had a we went out for a meal together last night, so we made it very slack and didn't meet till six thirty this morning. So, and but mm. it's really a real desire for the others to to continue to to pray together each week and to meet and to carry on. So, um, that's yeah, really cool. it's very hard to it's very hard to um, explain just what it's meant for for all of us. Yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, because I've done Exodus Night a couple of times, and yeah, the showers, especially this time, like and now, it's it's the initial burst of cold water that's the hardest, mm-hmm. and after that you mm-hmm. can kind of take it, which kind of led me to kind of like pacing a bit before I got in the shower, and I find myself now it's like I'm not having a I'm not having a cold shower anymore. I mean, again, I haven't gotten hot showers yet, but like, uh, I'm before I get in the shower, I'm just kind of like trying to psych myself up, and I'm like, but I'm not even having a cold shower. <laughs> it's just kind of stuck with me. Um, but uh, it's really interesting you were saying that, like, you know, the gift of this has been like, especially coming from the perspective perspective of a a religious priest, that this is even it helped even even helps your your prayer life. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, what other fruits would you say have come out of this program for you? Uh, I think um, I think it's probably helped me to be a more reflective um, around like where God is working and seeing God, seeing where God is working both in my life and and in the life of other people. And I think one of the big privileges of it is seen, especially in the in the lives of the other guys who are in the group and. And they're all married men, and hearing them talk about what it's meant for them in terms of their their relationships, their family life, um, their role as dads, what that's you know that they're they're wanting to really help their kids to pray, and uh, you know, and taking it seriously, and being really that that's been very uplifting for me, and an insight I think into um, one of the things that I, I really hope that we be, I've been talking about. Um, in the di- in our diocese around you know small groups and bring people together and and this was a very good sort of experience powerful experience of that but but it, but based around prayer you know that actually it's not just the men's group for sorting out how your marriage is going or something it's actually you know that each guy is praying each morning the same stuff reading the same stuff checking in with each other and uh, and then, then you see what that's doing for them and what God's doing in them is, is really, mm. yeah, really, really powerful. I think too, it's probably um, helped me in terms of um, preaching, of the things I've been preaching about and um, just, yeah, but um, I think that, I think that our, the, the issue for us, I think, as Catholic people, is often that we we are a bit warm. We're just warm, and mm. you know, that thing of we're neither hot nor cold. We're sort of warm, and and I think that I'm actually uh, that real freedom comes when you when you actually do it well, not sort of half-hearted. And and I've been saying that here, you know, and we we and what we've been trying to do in, in this diocese around. Um, you know, what are we doing faith-wise Monday to Saturday to support the faith life of Sunday? And 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 this would be, a, I think, a really, uh, this this experience would tap into my sense of what that might need to, might, might be, you know, um, in terms of uh, of actually really helping people to, to pray. And we uh, I've sort of put out three pastoral priorities for our lives. I mean, they're not rocket science or anything, but they're, Growing and holding this, strengthening faith communities, and proclaiming the word. And and if we haven't fallen in love with Christ ourselves, then we're not going to be interested, too interested in building up our own faith community. And we're certainly not going to be very convicted of going out and proclaiming the good news to mm. others. So, so this is, I think, for me, this has been a really powerful experience of, um, you know, of taking steps to really try and grow in holiness and not not saying holy isn't better than anyone else but actually letting God in and opening yeah just opening the heart and um, yeah really, really really powerful yeah yeah it's quite a transformative experience I found myself 
Because like I said, I've done it a couple of times, and one thing I've found is like I do Exodus 90, and then I'm, it sets me off for the rest of the year. But then round about Advent, I realise I've become sloppy again, and it's like I need yeah. something to get me on uh, back on track. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, I guess, what would you say to the people that might criticise it, saying it's um, it's unnecessarily um, like difficult, uh, it's not realistic uh, to practice in everyday life? Because I understand the uh, creator, James Baxter, he originally created it whilst he was in seminary for... Uh, formation of priests and so you, mm. you can kind of say okay as a priest you know or a religious it's just you so you can control your own life but for the yeah. average joe it's different eh? It, yeah it is and i i think uh um one of one of the things for me would be around a sense of the privilege that i have as a priest to be able to certainly to be able to pray for an hour each day i, I have you know i don't have kids waking up at Five thirty and six o'clock in the morning, and so um, you know. And then when when do you pray? So and and to be fair, that you know, the, what I like about Exodus is is that they are also realistic in that sense of they're not they don't want you to beat yourself up if you have a coffee without with milk, right? you know, like not to let the disciplines become the focus. Or and, and so and the same in prayer, they'd say, look, if you can't if you're struggling to get an hour in a holy hour then make sure you, you spend 20 minutes you know like there's so it's um and, and in fact i i've been really um really edified by the way the the guys and that i've been doing it with who are all family men have found the time to to mm. to pray yeah. whether it's um i mean we have a perpetual adoration chapel here in this in this city and in, in the diocese and a number of them have you know, they'd, they'd find t- go there in their lunch hour, or or uh, mm-hmm. or they've, they've uh, uh, all of them, I think, of you know, the, the program encourages you to go to mass more often, and they've discovered the joy of weekday mass. You know, they're going two or three times a week, and so they might go half past eleven for pray for half an hour and go to mass at twelve. You know, like it's discovering those sort of things. So I, I think. I, I reckon that there's something in men. We we do all sorts of things to, you know, run and you know run coast to coast, run from one side to the other, do marathons, do all this extreme stuff that just sort of catch have a challenge and catch, and and I I think this is this is the spiritual life, but the challenge of it um, is the attraction in the first instance, and then the experience overtakes the challenge. And then God steps in, and the Holy Spirit works, and and you also get bashed around by the devil as well, who really likes to have a go at you during it. It's sort of like he goes, "Oh hell, this fellow's taking all of it seriously," and so mm. really touch and all your weaknesses and and your temptations. And so it's quite a it's quite an experience. And that's why you need each other to be able to talk about it and check in each day. You're okay, and what's happening, and yeah. often. Mm. Fine, but sometimes you do have rough days and be able to talk to someone, know that you're going to chat with someone in the evening, you know they've got something to talk to you about that stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, I know that I found the uh, the fraternity meetings really, really good. Um, mm. I found that like in Auckland, because everything's a bit spread out, it's a bit difficult to find a time where we could all meet up and stuff, but uh, having that regular meeting uh, was, was really good. Um I think um, some of the like criticisms of Exodus ninety is like, well, there's this mentality of Catholicism of it's about punishing yourself, um, oh, yeah, like, with yeah. the idea of penance and stuff, and so like this is just oh, this is just Catholics just punishing themselves unnecessarily, uh, they've got it wrong, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you say to that? Yeah, I th- I don't think that's true actually, um, and and what I found slightly interesting is that a number of people that I know who aren't um, who aren't really Christian or pre- are quite sort of taken with elements of it from a sort of even from a human point of view of of you know fasting and, and technology and uh, like I, I think people have a sense that those some of those a lot of those elements have got out of kilter in their lives and they're out of um, even if they're not operating out of a spiritual dimension so there's sort of a fascination with that and you mm. you can you see that in all the different health things that people have been even cold showers have 
I mean, when you say I'm doing, oh yeah, my food culture is a really good. They help, you know, people this, that, and the other. And, and in fact, I, I think that's true. Having experienced it, I, I think you, you, at the end of a cold shower, you know, you come out, you do feel sort of you're you're awake and you're a, sort of a yeah. So I don't think I think the experience of it, my experience of it, is that um, that the the ascetical practices, the, what they call the disciplines, but I think ascetical practices captures captures it better. Actually, they they give you they free you up to be able to really face what you need to face. And, and the biggest thing the biggest thing for me in it was is God enough? Do I really is God enough for me, or do I sort of give him seventy percent and say, well, I've still got. Um, you know, alcohol or, or or shopping or or TV or you know these other things that that'll sort of be that'll make a whole. And when you take those things away, uh, you realise that actually is God enough, and that's what you have to. That's what you then work your way through. So, so no, I, I don't think it, it's. Um, I, I understand why people might think that. Uh, but actually, um, my experience of it is is not that. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Like, I suppose, yeah, that is the the whole the thing of it is like uh, getting rid of those things that we've made icons and we've put in front of yeah. God. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I never, I never, I never thought of it in that in that perspective because uh, it talks in the program about this is being this is the pathway that we've been given to mm. lead us to God mm. and like, I mean. I found at Christmas this year, you know, it was a feast. So I was feasting. I was definitely yep. feasting a little bit too much, you know. Yeah. I'd eaten all morning, mm. and then it was lunchtime, so I ate again. And I was like, Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't get. I couldn't see a way out of it. I knew it was wrong. It was like, you know, I don't need ice cream again today. But um, mm. at the same time, I was like, But I mean, ice cream's good, and God wants good things for me. So yeah. I guess I'll, I'll have to have it. Um, yeah. and like I was like I was. <laughs> I was like kind of like easing my way into these things. I was talking myself into these things way too much. And mm-hmm. yeah, Exodus 90 just gave me that that clarity. That's kind of like, yeah, okay, just yep. get rid of everything and start again. And yeah, you definitely need all three elements, the prayer and the fraternity, which, you know, and mm-hmm. I kind of almost found that the um, the fraternity was the more difficult part, um, trying to uh, right. get all the guys together and try to kind of get us on the same page. Um, yep. I thought it was cool what you were yeah, talking we about. Just... Yeah. Oh, no, no, I was going to say, I think we were lucky in, in our, in our um, the, the group of guys were, we did meet every week um, and, and we, and it was, it was real, really strong element, very strong element of the experience. Um, mm. And that, you don't have more than, don't have more than six because, um, no. that, yeah, that's, yeah, too many, too many. And probably four might not even be quite enough. It depends on the mixture of people to you. Try and get the right mix of people in, in the group. Um, uh, mm. Sorry, Dominic, I cut you off. No, no, it's good. It's good points. Um, I was going to go on to talk about like how, you know, and you kind of mentioned this in your three points that you made for the diocese of like proclaiming the word. It's like, can we use this uh, program of Exodus 90 as an evangelical tool? Can you see how we can bring people to the faith and understanding of Catholicism through it? I think my initial reaction to that would be, I think it's actually good for us to do it, to really be on fire ourselves and then to talk about that with other people. Because it's a big step. You know, it's a big step to say to someone, come and pray for an hour a day. You know, like... Um, like uh, that's quite it's 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 a lot and um so I, I think from my my initial thing would be that it's not a not not a tool for bringing people who who aren't in a relationship with Christ to Christ but actually something for us in the first instance to really to really um strengthen our own faith and conviction and then bring then go out to others um. That would be that would be my initial sense of it. Mm, I think it's yeah. very daunting for people who may not have ever prayed or um, 
you know, understanding all of that and the scriptures and, and those things. Yeah. So how would would you say there is a way that we can present Exodus 90 to people that say don't like cold showers? Um... Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I think my, my advice to people is the cold shower, that it's like it's the wrong thing to be, it's the wrong thing to be worried about, really. And, and <laughs> it, it's, it's the... It's really, it's very strange, and, and I wouldn't have seen that obviously before doing it because you know, the thing everyone oh, I couldn't do cold showers, and actually you can do cold showers, and 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 you just have to will it. You have to get in there, turn that water on, mm. get wet, and then then within fifteen seconds, well, my experience was that it was like yeah, it's cold, but and then I always used to turn the shower off and stuff up that made it. So you went running the shower for too long, so you went, yeah. and but yeah, it was it was but it was but it was actually it really there it, there was something about it that it brings you alive. And as I said, yeah, that Sunday, you know, last Sunday morning, standing under a warm shower was not what I thought it would be. And mm. and and the other guys, as the other guys in the group, same experience. Yeah. Um, so I suppose we could mm. sell it in that kind of way of like listen to other people's objections and then you kind of you kind of like put put them away a, a by saying it's like actually the cold shower wasn't a horrible experience it was actually it gave me it actually gave me more and that kind of brings intrigue into their life like oh maybe i could try this you know yeah 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 abs- absolutely and and see what what's fascinating too is that in, like in our group or for all the people there were different elements of those disciplines that they struggled with so it wasn't that everyone struggled with food, but some did and some didn't. Alcohol, um, mm. some, some thought that was going to be uh, one. One of the guys, he he was really worried about not drinking and how that would affect his social life and his interactions with work and all, all of this things. And just transformed him and not drinking. And, and I'd say that too. I, I mean, one of the things we're really trying to work out was, do I really want to keep? drinking you know like uh, um and not that i was a heavy drinker but actually i just felt really well not drinking and mm. had a woke up each morning with real clear and um and soda water yeah, even socially you yeah, so i'm having a soda water and then people these days are a lot more you know that's what you want you know mm. and, and see the other thing too is that you sort of realize that when people make a fuss about it about the fact that you're not drinking it's sort of like well, what's that really saying? Yeah, um, and that's yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think yeah, I think one of the things yeah, because people, people or other people are saying, oh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly live without having my lattes because during it you don't have milk and you know you don't have milk and coffee and that. So, but actually, why would you, you know, you'd say, why would you give up on a whole experience for a for a latte? Um, yeah, or uh you know they're not the it's interesting that they really make a big thing about technology and uh that really trying to master technology and i I agree with that i think we have become a society that's really fixated on technology and tv and netflix and all all of that stuff and Mm. actually when you you know i mean i I wasn't a big TV watcher, but I I like to watch a series on Netflix of this or a series of that. I was halfway through The Crown when when it started, but I'm sort of not that interested in what's in the rest of the place. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's not what I thought it would be. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, it's like I like how you say, why would you give up a whole experience just for this one pleasure. And when I suppose you put it in that perspective, it's, it's quite different. Um, cause you're realizing that, you know, you're changing your life and there is a benefit in this. Yeah, um, so we're coming to the end of our time and just to finish yeah. off, do you think that, um, Exodus 90 should be like a rite of passage for into manhood or do you think this is, uh, definitely a program that's for the average catholic out there or is it yeah i I do 
my my advice would be to um to do a bit of work beforehand with helping guys how to pray i think that that could be to really be able to make the most of that so i, I would you know a couple of the fellas who did it with me last year i said to them look i want you to come with me to the adoration point 20 past six in the morning on a and pray with me for 40 minutes and and because they think i'm all right they said yeah we'll do that and they did and that meant that when we, when I said to them, you know, towards the end of the year, look, I'm thinking of doing this exercise, Nani, what about doing it with me? The prayer wasn't daunting. Whereas I think if I hadn't had, if we hadn't had that experience for them, the thought of how, what on earth would an hour of prayer look like and feel like would have been really hard. And so mm. I think there's around helping guys beforehand to experience um, how to pray um, in that way. Uh, I don't know that I'd necessarily call it a rite of passage. Uh, it'd probably be worth talking to a younger guy who's done it. Um, I think for, um, yeah, for, for any, for any men of, of any, I mean, I, I'm 53 and, you know, uh, for men of any age, uh, we're all at different stages of our lives and phases. And, um, I think it's there for, for anyone who really wants to, to give themselves a chance to really sort of um, let, let their faith, yeah, experience experience God and and face their face their demons, if you like, um, not not in a terrible way, but in a you know being honest about you know what are the things that are holding me back or that I'm unfree around, and do it in an environment where you've got other doing it with other people who are in going through the same experience. I think it's really, yeah, it's certainly. I would really recommend it for, for anyone, really. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, thank you for your time, Archbishop. It's been a great conversation. And, uh, I mean, I could talk. I find this with everyone. It might just be me. I can talk for hours about these kind of things. Um, I'd love to pick your brain about a few other things in the future, so maybe we'll see if sure. we can get you back on the podcast. Um, yeah, that'd be great. If anyone wants to find out more information about what you've been up to or anything, is there anywhere they can look? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, no, not at the moment. <laughs> not at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just somewhere between. Just go. Just go to go to mass and see him in the Eucharist. That's right. Yes, I'll I'll be there. Yeah. No. Yeah. And okay. yeah. No. Not 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 at this stage. Okay. Very good. Well, all the best with all your uh, work and your new appointment and. Uh, God bless. Good on you, John. Thanks very much, and, and blessings to you and, and all the work that you're doing for in this uh, in this space. Really, really great way to communicate with people. Good on you. God bless. Thank you very much. Okay. Pleasure. Oh. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for that great episode. We uh, will be posting this very soon. Um, for those of you watching on uh, Facebook, thanks for joining and paying attention to this one. If you want to get involved with anything else we're doing, check us out on evangelion.co.nz or search up on any podcast app, Curiously Catholic, and we will be there uh, providing this great content for you. Uh, remember to like, share, and subscribe to all that we do, and uh, you know, leave us some reviews on those podcast apps because it really does help us get the information out there. Okay, thank you very much, and God bless.